Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as new apps chime in, and we look for the hidden gems of the ever-growing app store while serving up tacos. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. There are quite a few gems this week on the App Store. It was a, it was a nice week of new releases with uh, plenty to talk about. And that's always, you know, more exciting going into it when there's just some good stuff to actually prepare for the podcast. Yes, yes. It's it's tough to slog through titles you don't want to play, but this week we had plenty that you did want to play. Almost too many to talk about. Yep. And so there's not the most Apple news. There's the usual rumors that Apple might update the iPads at a spring event, but it seems questionable at best, so we're not going to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> But that means we have more time for apps, and the first one we're going to talk about is Amazon Chime, which is Amazon's take on Skype and GoToMeeting kind of rolled into one video conferencing, chatting, calling app, or at least platform. It's available for iOS as well as Mac, as well as Android and Windows, so you should be good no matter what platform you use, but we're going to focus on iOS. And the service, it claims to offer up to eight simultaneous video chats at the same time. And when you use the app and you just make a call to another person, like Brett and I made a call, it's really easy to use, to set up, it's free. But then when you look at it, if you want to go with video calls beyond two people, that's when you have to pay a monthly service starting at 250 and then there's going to be tiers. So keep that in mind. But just the basic kind of as a replacement to Skype as compared to a replacement to go to meeting. This is a really interesting choice. And if you don't care about the video calling, I think you can get away with multi-person audio calls on the free tier. Yeah, I mean, this is they obviously have it priced to go after the business market where the casual user who's only going to do a one-to-one call, go ahead, use it for free. And it worked really well. Like the video quality, when you and I did it, it was surprisingly good. And you're just doing this over Wi-Fi. We, I was using my iPad and... To have that pricing model for the having to have more users, it just makes sense because you're going up against these things like GoToMeeting. And I don't remember what the exact pricing uh, structure is for that, but businesses are much more willing to pay these fees to have these services available to their employees for speeding up meetings or it's obviously costs way less than having people flying out and meeting in the in the same location so it makes sense from a business standpoint of them going with this pricing model and i don't see anyone balking about that and people are already really invested in this amazon infrastructure businesses just with all of their cloud services and all the storage stuff they have that I, this this makes perfect sense for them to try to go into this market and try to take over a piece of it just because it is a well-known name and the they have all the pieces in place to put something like this together. Yeah, they especially because the web services, I mean, Amazon's really become known for that. A lot of things that you use use Apple's or Amazon's web servers and so I think that's part of the reason why the video quality was so well and they can offer up to eight video calls simultaneously just because they do so much with their web services already 
they don't expect like this huge, massive amount of people that are going to use eight tier, eight time calls at once. But when they do, they should be able to pull it off relatively well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 unfortunately we couldn't necessarily test that, but, uh, exactly. I think they could easily pull this off. I have no doubt that it probably works quite well. I wish they had a way you could just kind of demo that like by popping in to something to see how it works. But I have no doubt it, it probably works as well as you would expect it to. Yeah, I guess we could have called into one meeting where you call on your phone and your iPad and I call on my phone and my iPad. So that way you have eight devices calling in. Oh, true. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of that. But then you'd be kind of bumping. Yeah, I suppose you could even put it in front of like a, a television or something where you'd have constant motion to be able to see what is going on as far as breaking up the video and the quality there. Yeah, and so if you do want to do screen sharing, that's going to be part of their Amazon Chime Pro. And so they have this essentially pro tier, and then there's variations on that depending on how many people are going to be accessing. So it's $15 per user once you get to that pro tier and try to fill in that eight-person video call. Yeah, but it's, whatever your use would be for this, I think you could find a price level that would work for your business or maybe you just have a small business where you want to use this occasionally. I think you could find some level of service that will work perfectly for you. And then there's a 30-day free trial. And if you just want to use it as your personal video calling as opposed to Skype or Apple FaceTime, it's a pretty useful service just because it connects relatively well it's completely free to use and it didn't seem as bloated whenever i launch skype on my mac or my phone it just you have that whole kind of legacy even if it's not existent you have that idea that it's going to bog down my device and this amazon chime didn't seem to have any of that yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and the one nice thing was it worked seamlessly with your Amazon account that you already had. So you could just sign up using your existing Amazon account. So no need to create a new account or anything. You just log in how you would normally log into Amazon, and you're good to go. Yep, and that's Amazon Chime. It's free. It's universal. And that means it's time for some new games. And the first one is Hidden Folks, which I saw last March at GDC, and now it's come to actually be available for everyone to get on the app store and it's a hidden object game designed in the classic where's waldo fashion but taken up a notch with these really expansive scenes to explore that are complete with animation so these little hidden folks are going to be moving around and you can also tap on the environment certain areas will reveal other hidden objects like say there's bushes in the way you can tap to cut them down and then there might be a character you need to find behind or the tree has a little area you can tap into and then a monkey falls out so you have these various little tap points to kind of explore in addition to the animated creations and probably the neatest aspect is that there's these subtle, subtle little kind of story sentences for each object you need to find. So if you need to find the Monkey King, it will tell you where he could possibly be. Like he likes frolicking in hidden passageways. So now you kind of have an area on the lookout. You'll get to the desert scene, and it's a gigantic scene to explore. <laughs> but if you have this one guy, he's at the rock festival, and this other guy is over at the 
oasis area, you now have kind of points of interest to get to so you can then drill down and try to find these various objects. And they do that with every single thing to explore. So you're not just like, oh my god, this is a huge thing. I have to scroll through every single inch to find just this like random guy jumping around. You actually have areas to go to. And that allows them to make these huge expansive scenes to explore because there's that little story to it. Yeah, yeah, this was a, a title I saw at PAX East right around the same time frame last year, and it's good to see after a year it's it's finally out because this was one of the huge highlights of that show for me because I love Where's Waldo, but it's saying these are massive scenes is almost an understatement because <laughs> these are incredibly humongous scenes that you're scrolling through, and there is so much detail and so many little things going on, all kinds of little tiny hand-drawn characters, and some of the things you have to find are like little tiny specks. Like, they look like the tip of a pencil, and it's a, a banana, maybe, that you have to find, but it's this tiny, tiny, tiny little ba banana that... If you were to try to scroll through this huge scene and just find that one little thing, it would be nearly impossible. You'd be there almost forever. And so I love the way that he's written these little riddles for those clues to help you find those objects, because with that desert, which is one of the largest ones you'll come across, it is nice that they've broken it up into little areas, and you may not initially key onto that, but then when you start to read these little clues, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's there was that area over there that looked kind of like a rock festival, or that area over there where it looked like there were a whole bunch of hay bales and a bunch of animals inside of like a, a caged-off area. So you start to really make these connections with these massive drawings and kind of divide them up in your head so you know exactly what section you might need to go to. Yes, you may not necessarily remember exactly where that was, and it might take a little bit of scrolling and pinching and zooming to finally find it, but you get all these nice little aha moments when the clue clicks in your head and you know exactly where you should go searching, and when you find that little clue, even if you take a while to find it, you just kind of find yourself getting lost in this world and you're enjoying clicking and touching on everything and hearing all these human-made sound effects for everything that it just it's a really charming world that you're in that you don't mind that it does take a little while to find these things and even once you do find everything you tend to spend even more time in these little locations just looking at all the various interactive points that are on there just because there is so much detail to these pictures and to what's going on in these pictures. Yeah, there's so many intricacies to enjoy without actually being directly tied to the hidden object game mechanic. You can just explore these scenes and then you're given, you know, the list of items or the little objects at the bottom of the screen that you need to find. And part of you just wants to kind of explore the scene before tapping on them because then these areas might start to make sense. Like when it says sand dunes, it doesn't mean anything to you if you just look at all the objects at the start. But as you scroll through the entire area, you're like, oh, sand dunes, I know where that is because I've already looked through the whole scene. So it kind of changes your method of performing a hidden object game. Like in Where's Waldo? You know when you turn the page, okay, I'm looking for Waldo. And so yeah. <laughs> this is like a whole different 
because you're being introduced to these different areas because you'll have a jungle scene and then you have the desert scene and then you'll have a city scene or then you'll have a farm scene and they build out that entire world within the particular theme so that the characters fit and then the objects within all tie with one another and it's just there's so much to explore in every single one of these scenes that some of these games kind of feel tedious. That never seems to have the feeling in Hidden Folks because even though you're scrolling and pinching to go through all this stuff, it never feels like you're slogging through it. Right, exactly. And some of them, like, I think where the game really hits its stride and where it really excels is when it has those objects where you have to perform a series of things to find that particular object. Like, maybe this thing is hidden under something and you have to move a couple things to find the the little thing you're trying to find and i and i almost wish they had done even more of it but there's so much of that there that it that's really how it separates it out from a, your typical okay these are your things you got to find just tap and find them even with the riddles it would still be similar to that but then once they start to really build these complex series of things you have to do in order to find some of these uh particular people or items it just i think that's where the game really shines and uh it just just so adorable every little thing these all these tiny little drawn things that it's just so much there to to take in in each one of these single scenes and then once you expand that to throughout the entire game there's just so much much content here that you just want to experience and tap and touch and go all over the place and then the game doesn't have a hint system but what they do is that they'll give you like 10 items to find but you can proceed to the next level when you find six of them so you don't have to find everything and that kind of allows you to move on if you want to but then you don't always want to move on because I mean, you, you've cleared the goal, but you want to stay here and find those items just because you're enjoying what you're doing here. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Yeah, there were a couple where I just wanted to try to make some progress, and then I went back to the the level. Maybe I, there were, like, some teeny tiny things I skipped over, and then I went back, and sometimes the clues don't necessarily make perfect sense to you at the time, where if you let them kind of, like, just roll over in your mind a little bit, and then you're like, oh, I think I know what they're getting at, and then you go back to that scene, and then all of a sudden it just clicks, and you go and find those items. So it is nice that they allow you to progress, but then because of those clues, you still can kind of still process it and have a chance at finding it later. It's not one of these where if you you never find it, if you never find it, or you need someone else to find it for you, eventually you will find these things. It just may take some some offline processing until your your brain catches up with you. Yeah, it's more puzzly than the other ones. And like you said, I especially love where you'll need to find like a treasure by the oasis and the only way to do so is sliding something out of the way or say there's a rabbit in a hole well it might not be in the first hole you come across so you, it even kind of pushes you to tap on things that have no bearing on the object because you tap a hole and rabbit comes out but you're looking for a black rabbit so you now need to explore every single hole that you come across just in case that object might come out so it even pushes you to explore things that you wouldn't normally just because of the system the way they have that hidden within a hidden object yeah 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 <laughs> and so that's hidden folks it does come from the maker of bounden fingal 
Bamfu and Jelly Reef. And he just does a good job of being relatively creative in the capabilities of iOS and just taking full advantage. And so, again, that's Hidden Folks. It's $3.99 and it's universal. Up next is Causality, which came out at the start of the week. It wasn't just the normal Thursday release, but it was still within since we did our last podcast. And it's relatively familiar, and then it's that kind of path logic puzzle game where it comes down to a specific order of operations. And in this case, it all comes down to time. So you'll start off with just like a single astronaut, and you need to get him from point A to point B, and you drag your finger down on the screen to progress time, and then there's going to be arrows on the board that lets you point the astronaut so he might be walking a straight line you can point downwards to get to the ending square and then you'll introduce be introduced to new characters so you'll have a blue astronaut uh, orange astronaut and a green astronaut and so they each need to go to their corresponding points and so the first set of levels just kind of introduce the order of operation mechanic then once you reach the second set you get to deal with time and the time component <laughs> is really neat because you can send your astronaut to this little like rainbow warp point and then once he goes there there's an exit warp point and so that means you can essentially have the green astronaut duplicated on the screen so he'll be heading towards the warp point but then he'll also come out the other place while he's heading there so that means you could essentially send the green astronaut to go walk over a switch at the top of the board while he's still walking downwards at the bottom of the board to the warp point and that is going to be duplicated over as you're introduced to more astronauts on the screen at one point. Yeah, those first levels, you there are some challenges there, but then once you hit the mind-melting <laughs> like time paradox situation where you can reuse your own self, that's when things really start to get difficult because you you can do this um, you can set up this paradox at any point because you're the one controlling the time and so all it takes is for you to send the astronaut towards that little portal and so you have to decide when it's best to use that little portal of window because you have a limited amount of time for him to solve the puzzle because he's constantly walking around and then you have to decide if you're going to shift his movement and in what direction you're going to shift it. And so you start to have to experiment of when exactly do you want to introduce that, that time portal because you would need him to hit a switch or you need him to get something out of the way. And so it's, it becomes this whole completely different train of thought you have to use in order to just line things up properly and reuse yourself. And then once you start getting additional astronauts in there as well, then things go all kinds of crazy. And it's just as you just hope that you can just keep it all straight in your head. And it's just amazing challenge once these new elements start to get introduced, but they do a nice job of, getting you those basic moves down before they start to really ramp it up. And that's when it gets so, so good when all that craziness starts happening. I always enjoy a game that makes you kind of plan your actions before you do it. And this one kind of even does it more because you have direct control over time. So if you swipe your finger down on the screen time goes forward. But if then you swipe your finger back up, time goes backwards. So time is a continuous kind of loop. You can 
adjust it however you like. And so that also allows you to freeze time. So your astronaut is going to walk while time's moving. He walks automatically, but only while time is moving. So you can get him to stop right before an arrow, and then you can switch that arrow around, and you can do that so you have multiple astronauts moving or the time paradox. You have it all set up, but you can freeze it you know, while you're in the middle of a level. Or say you made a mistake, you can just swipe back downwards or upwards and then time goes back just a couple seconds. And so you can continuously manipulate time and just readjust and see how things react. So say you put the arrows in position, you think you have a solution, you can see how it goes. It doesn't go well, you can backtrack, and then you now know you need to just adjust this right here. And so you constantly get to manipulate. It's great how much they use that time idea into not only you know puzzle mechanics, but just the overall structure of the game. And they keep building upon it to make it more and more challenging. Yeah, that whole time scrubbing ability is great because that way if you just want to undo a tiny little bit, like you know where you went wrong and you don't want to have to undo everything, go all the way back to the start. It's the perfect mechanic for it because you just drag your finger up a tiny bit and you can control it and then maybe you went too far. Now you can just go a little bit back forward again. So it's non-destructive until the point you decide to change things and then at that point, everything going forward is changing. So it's a great little tool there for you to keep on trying and retrying these levels in a quick, methodical way without having to, like, just scrap it and start all over. Yep, and that's Causality. It's $1.99. It's universal. And then there's Evergrow, which, as the name suggests, is all about growing a single object. So you start out with a single colored block, and then new blocks are going to come in. Most of them are going to be your color. So all you do is grab that block and slide it to your main block and you have to build it out and you get to see like little trajectory points around yours. So you start out with a single square and then you want to put eight blocks around it. So now you have a three by three grid and then you make it a four by four grid and you expand outwards just by dragging the blocks into position. But if any different color comes and hits your main block, it starts destroying the pieces. And then there's going to be bombs that can destroy the pieces. And so you want to get those items and then swipe them off the screen. So this game is really about touch and even multi-touch. So you can get some of your color pieces and put them into place and then throw away some bad pieces. And then there's also a bunch of different special blocks. So you have blocks that can generate shields or grow out like five pieces at once or zap any incoming negative blocks. And those blocks you can upgrade to help you as you go. And then each level gives you kind of a target area to grow to and then introduces more kind of challenges. So the opening levels, you'll get a few kind of different colored blocks. But then you'll have one where you'll get a few of your color and then there's going to be like 10 to 20 negative block or different colored blocks coming at you. Or then you'll get to a level where everything's shrouded in darkness. And so all the blocks look like black until there's a lightning flash. But you're going to kind of have to build the block just hoping for the best or maybe sliding in every block and then getting them away really quick if they're a bad color. So there's going to be these new mechanics introduced built upon that multi-touch dragging everything of the proper color into place. Yeah, this is one of those games where it just keeps on increasing complexity as you go and just 
the more you play it, the better and better it gets. Because you start out with just basically that growing, trying to grow. And each level, you do have these three goals you have to, to meet in order to get all three stars. One of them is always to reach this certain growth amount. And it shows you the outermost growth before you start. So you know exactly how far you're going to have to grow. But you only kind of grow one edge out at a time so once you kind of surround him with blocks one level deep once then the the little line will grow out and grow out and it's those special blocks that really kind of start to expand and spice up the gameplay because like you said you have those uh lightning blocks which are kind of electrocute things so they kind of act almost as a shield because they're electrocuting the bombs as they come close or the other colored blocks the other colored blocks are interesting because when they touch you they don't immediately destroy yours they kind of just knock them loose so now you might have some some of your colored blocks that are not lined up and they're not solid on your object so if you start moving your guy around all of a sudden blocks are going to start falling off of them because they're no longer locked in place and you have a little bit more time to get rid of those those colored blocks before they do permanent damage and then those bombs they just come flying in and if they hit you they're going to blow up huge sections of blocks so you don't want to lose all the blocks you've added to your to your i think it's called the chromaroid and if he loses too many blocks and you lose the level and then you get to start over again but with that lightning blocks and then later on they introduce these cannon blocks which you can basically mount this little cannon on on your guy and he starts firing away and then it gets super crazy when you hit those black hole levels which now you have this block which it's your only source of light so you're going through space and you can't see anything that's coming near you except for anything that's just in the small little range of space of this one colored block you've now or light block that you've attached to your uh to your chromaroid and so now you kind of have to almost spin around or you just have to hope for the best until another light block comes around that you can increase the amount that you can see or you just hope that you can grow yourself in time before things really start to get chaotic and bombs and things start growing in. So it just really, they just keep ramping and tacking on new elements that just make it more and more complex, but it's as you go and it's progressive, but it makes it so you want to keep on playing and you're interested in seeing what the next new element's going to be or what this new piece is going to be because it just starts you off slowly but then really things start to go and you just end up losing so much time just involved in this game and wanting to play it more and more and progress through these levels so you can reach these other elements. Yeah, if you like your puzzle games with a little fluid action to them, that's what Evergrow is all about because you it's not just about getting all of the same colored piece and just making this big block. You have to give consideration to all four sides because if you just put everything on the right side of the square that's not going to help you you need to make sure that your block goes from a one single block to a three by three grid and then a four by four grid etc so you need to give attention to all four sides so you always have to kind of be spinning the main object around or grabbing the pieces and dragging them to the different sides and it's neat that it's so well done that it reacts to your finger and your multi-touch so well to kind of follow the exact trajectory based on dragging the little pieces onto the main section 
or you can also move the entire cube or the block that you're working on and so that makes it easier to slide little pieces or to avoid some of the oncoming bombs. So you all have that constant kind of fluid action of your fingers to really take advantage of the iPad if you can to get multiple fingers on the screen and putting these blocks into place because they don't lock in right away so you want to kind of get them as close into position as you can while using trajectory and force and make sure they don't slide off as Brett said you move the entire thing to avoid objects. Yeah, it, it, when you're dragging those blocks around, it, it almost feels like they're on like a rubber band. Like you yeah. start to drag them and they'll start to almost move away from you on on their own just as you build up momentum, especially if you're trying to drag the block around to the other side of your guy to fill in an open space on that side. So you kind of have to be a little more precise with their movement so he doesn't go flying off. Although other times it, it won't really matter, but you just have to be, you start to, it, it just makes it feel that much more uh, like you're in the action. Like you, it almost like it's haptic feedback, but it's not just because of the way the things really have that feeling of movement while you're moving them and that reactive feeling to them just as you're building up that momentum as you're dragging them. Yep. Evergrow, it's really well done. You know, multi-touch games always stand out on a multi-touch device, and they've just done a really good job where things keep, you know, it's always like a fresh perspective as you get to these new levels, just like Causality did. Evergrow does the same kind of thing. Yep. And so that's Evergrow. It's two ninety nine, and it's universal. And then there's Gunman Taco Truck. And so this game kind of takes on the idea of Oregon Trail, and I'm sure it takes on the idea of the upcoming Death Road to Canada from Rocket Cat Games, but that game's not out yet. So in the meantime, there's Gunman Taco Truck, which gives you the control of a taco truck within the world where nuclear bombs have hit the U.S. and all these different creatures have mutated. And so the game is split up into two portions. One portion, you're driving down the road between locations, like you're going from L.A. over to Phoenix or Las Vegas. And on the road, there's these mutated lions that are combined with fish, or there's these gigantic bugs, or whatever the case may be, these weird bears. And you have a single kind of gun mounted to the front of your taco truck, and you simply tap on what you want to shoot. And you need to make sure that it's in front of your taco truck because your taco truck's rolling along automatically. And you're going to tap repeatedly to kill him. And then you can tap again to extract the meat. You can also pick up scrap metal if you shoot the signs. And so once you're, you're essentially getting ingredients just by traveling between points. And your goal is to make it to Canada away from all these mutated monsters. So you're going to go city by city. And then once you get to a city, you need to make money. And to do that, you need to open up your taco truck and serve tacos. And it's the kind of time management serving ordering game where you are given like they want a catfish uh, taco. (laughs) So you need to drag in the catfish plus the cheese and the onions and the salsa, wrap it up and serve their taco. And so you're going to have that portion of the game. So you have where you're kind of gathering ingredients on the road and then you're using those ingredients to make the tacos and make money. And then you go back out on the road and you try to make it from city to city and try to eventually make it up to Canada. 
Yeah, it's this crazy mashup of this shooting mechanic and then like a Diner Dash style making tacos. And I don't know, it's just a really odd theme. And I just kind of liked how these they really mix up these what would normally not be in the same game mechanics. And so, I mean, it, both of them are not as good as if you were going to go get a specific game focused on these mechanics but the two of them combined create for a fun little mindless time wasting type game but because the shooting element is pretty just kind of boring you're you're sitting there and you're just tapping on the screen in front of you hoping you can tap quickly enough to kill these things before they move to the uh, to a range where you can't end up hitting them anymore and then you're obviously trying to get the scrap metal as well so you can upgrade things and then as far as like the the taco building goes there's some crazy recipes you have to remember and you can go to the recipe book but obviously that takes some time and in the meantime your customers are starting to get impatient and you got to hope that you collected enough of the uh the food items while you're driving in order to be able to make the tacos that they happen to want when you've stopped to make tacos. So it's, it's an interesting blend of these two elements together, but as a whole, I think it works. But if you were to take them on their individual pieces, I don't know that this is as good as other games in these genres, but if you like really wacky kind of, subject matter i think it's a fun free game yeah to your point there's better time management games and there's better on the road shooting games but combined together with the crazy theme it makes it for a compelling kind of just adventure where you want to go from city to city you want to collect the new taco meat you want to serve it all up you want to make sure you go to the store well you have enough money to from the taco sales to go to the store to buy the other ingredients because you can get meat on the trail but you can't get cheese and onions and salsa you're gonna have to buy that and it all comes down to selling tacos and since i guess it's this mutated apocalypse tacos are super expensive right at the start of the game you sell a cheese taco for five dollars i'm like well if that's the case how much are these other tacos gonna be and they're like (laughs) 16 18 bucks just for some catfish tacos so money comes pretty regularly but that helps because you'll need to also fuel up your gas tank which that's 30 bucks to refuel your gas tank but i guess you're driving a taco truck and you're in the apocalypse so that's a pretty good deal on gas compared (laughs) to how much tacos cost (laughs) You wonder but, where, my thought was, how are these people, what are these people doing for money that they're able to buy my tacos? Yeah, it's a crazy setup. <laughs> Don't think too much about the logical ramifications <laughs> of how everything works. <laughs> but just, the it's a fun idea that's executed we, really well. Yes, yes. I, th- I think because of the crazy theme, I think it really works well. And just be and the pieces which normally wouldn't go together actually do fit together just in this crazy post-apocalyptic world. And I I think it's a fun title that uh, just kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't even know this was coming. And uh, it's fun. It's and I didn't notice any real like barriers with the free to play 
mechanics, the fact that it's free, at least as far as how much I played of it so far. Yeah, there was some tokens in the bottom corner that you could buy for $0.99, cents, $1.99, but I didn't know what the tokens were for. They didn't restrict like your fuel tank where, oh, you can't travel to a new city because you ran out of fuel. You know, it's like a natural kind of strategy game where you have to use the elements within the game to proceed rather than paying to proceed. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so that's Gunman Taco Truck. It's free. It's universal. And that's everything for me this week. Yeah, so I'm just going to just rapid fire because there were so many good titles. So I'm just going to give you a sentence about each of the a couple of other ones you want to look at. And I on my side, I'll have more details about these games. But there was one called Slay Away Camp, which you're kind of set in this like uh, slasher film universe. And it's yeah, that same... Good. It's it's that voxel art in each in you end up being uh, a different killer in each one. And what you're doing is it's that same kind of path, figure out the right order of operations, get through the level situation. But you are the slasher and you're basically trying to kill all these people. So there's elements of like people getting scared and running away from you, which you can get them to drown or run into fires that way. You can't run into cops, otherwise they'll kill you and catch you, You or at least not head on into cops. And it's just this crazy world that you keep on unlocking new uh, killers and new basically movie titles that you're playing through. You start in this actual Slayway camp, then go to Slayway camp two, and then you progress through new, you keep on unlocking new, new killers. And it's just, it's crazy. It's weird. And it, it's fun. Uh, then there's uh, inks and that is a two ninety nine. Oh, I didn't write down the prices. I should have written down the prices, uh, but I believe that's two ninety nine. Then yeah, Slayway camp uh, was two ninety nine. Then there's Ink Spotters 1, The Art of Detection, which is this cool, like, I, I, most of the time I would say an interactive fiction game, but normally when I think of interactive fiction, I think of like a choose-your-own-adventure type game, but that's not what this is. It's a set narrative that you're playing through, and it's a Sherlock Holmes mystery, but it's all set up in this comic book style, and you're more investigating the 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 crime with them and as you investigate you unlock additional panels of this story and you're not necessarily going to unlock them in sequential order so you're kind of jumping around and basically on each one you're either looking for visual clues or clues within the wording of the panel and then you type in a word and then it'll unlock an additional panel if that word happens to tie to something in another panel and then once you've gotten to guess certain words, it'll unlock these certain little kind of factoid things that give you more background history on like that er that time error, like the drugs they how they use like all, like narcotics as like everyday pain medications, and no one really thought much about it at the time, and other various aspects of really interesting tidbits of information about that that time period. And so eventually you can unlock the entire story, but you really have to work for it and investigate and figure out how to unlock these different panels. It's really well done, the beautiful artwork. Uh, and that one was $4.99 and it's universal. And I assume by it being Ink Spotters 1, there's going to be more of these stories in the future, which would be great. And then one last one I just want to mention is called Lit the Torch. And this is like a... Uh, platformer where you have this other dimension you can kind of turn on with a little 
a little flick of a button. And what it is is this little window that you can drag around on the screen and it it's basically another dimension. And so you're walking around and each level you need to light up these torches, but there'll be walls that are in your way or you can't reach a certain platform or maybe you don't even see all the torches. And by turning on this little portal, you can kind of hide areas of the the level to make it so that you do have a platform you might be able to jump on. Like maybe you've hidden the wall and now you can jump up and get onto the platform. So you're basically it becomes another element that you're dragging around the screen to help you navigate through this platformer. And it's just a really neat, uh, different kind of idea. I don't think I've ever seen this on a mobile game before. And it just works really well on the on the iPad, especially. I, don't, I didn't try it on a smaller device, but you basically have your normal left and right movement controls. You have a jump, and then you have this turning on and off the portal and and then you're just basically trying to navigate all these levels, light all of the the th- all of the torches. There's switches and things. Sometimes you use the the little window to hide switches. But it, it just it gets more and more complex as you go. But it's a a neat little mechanic that kind of makes this one shine against other platformers on mobile. And that one is ninety nine cents. And how do you as not like? Yeah, how do you not like playing as? Michael Myers or Jason in a puzzle game where you need to take people out, but you have to do it in a specific order of operations. Yes, yeah, I, I, it's so much fun, and then and there's very creative ways that he kills people, and they can unlock new death scenes of how he's going to kill people, and it gets more and more creative as it goes. You like playing those killing people games, like Party Hard. I know Go. it's pretty disturbing, <laughs> but, but I couldn't help myself. It was so much fun. And so I think that is everything for episode seven. Yeah, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed the App Advice Weekly Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.